So let me ask you guys a question. Is it possible that in a room full of people like this, with a moment like that, is it possible that you could be in a room full of people like this and still feel lonely? Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, I think that some of you are here today and you're lonely. I read a survey that said that 52% of Americans feel lonely. It also said that 47% of Americans report that the relationships that they have aren't meaningful. So loneliness is a pretty big problem in our society. For some of you, it's persistent. For others, maybe it's, it's it, you know, loneliness comes and goes. Um, but, but a lot of us are dealing with loneliness. And what I wanted you to tell you this morning is that God did not create you for loneliness. God created you for community. And here's the big idea that I wanna talk to you about this morning. It's this idea that you were created for community, that you were created for one another. But there's a problem. And that problem is that almost everything in our lives pushes us towards isolation. But God's word is super clear about this. And God's word teaches us that we are called, commanded even, to feel, say, or do something toward one another through Christian community. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, you were created for community. Church family, you were created for relationships. You were created for companionship. God God designed you for one another, and it's been this way from the very beginning. Genesis chapter two, verse 18, I think it is. God said, hey, it's not good for man to be alone. Do you remember this from the creation story? It's not good for man to be alone. And I know that we typically use that verse in the context of marriage, and rightfully so, but I think that verse also speaks to the basic human need for companionship. You were created for community, but there's a problem. And that problem is that almost everything in our lives pushes us towards isolation. Whether it's the culture that we live in, the technology that we have in our hands, social media, uh, the busy lifestyles that we lead, even mental health issues. We were created for community, but the problem is that almost everything in our lives pushes us toward isolation. But church family, God's word is clear. He created us for one another. And his word commands us to feel, say, or do something toward one another through Christian community. And so what I wanna do this morning is I wanna talk to you about the, blue, uh, the, the biblical basis for biblical community. I wanna talk to you about the blueprint for it, and then I have two benefits that I wanna share with you um, at the end. And so with that, let's pray and we'll jump in. And so Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for opportunities like this right here where we get to open your word and learn about you and, and hear from you and perhaps be changed by you and by your word. Um, God, we pray that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts that are wide open to what you want to say to us this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, amen. amen. So we were created for community. Problem is, almost everything in life pushes us toward isolation, but God's word is clear. We're called to feel, say, do something toward one another in Christian community. 
So when it comes to this idea of community, I want you to know that it's biblical, okay? And the first thing that I would tell you this morning is that it's biblical because the Trinity embodies it, okay? We, our, our, our God is three in one, you understand, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit exist eternally together in unity, right? Our God is three in one. And so what am I saying? What I'm saying is that God himself, it, like, it, it, um, it's within his nature uh, to be in community with himself. And I believe that he gives that gift of himself to us, right? So when it comes to community, the Bible teaches that, that the Trinity embodies it. Not only that, but what you need to know this morning is that Jesus initiated it. Jesus initiated it. Uh, Luke chapter six, I believe it is. I think I'm gonna put the reference on the screen here for you. Luke chapter six, 12 through 16. This is the, the part of, of uh, Jesus' uh, story where he is, he's praying. He's, I think he's gone up to the mountain and he's, he's praying. It says he's prayed all night. And then he comes to this epic, very familiar moment where he chooses the 12. Now what's interesting is that Luke six, I think maybe 13, it says that, that Jesus went to his disciples, okay? How many disciples were there? We don't know. If you go to Luke 10, it tells us that he chose 72 to do some sort of evangelistic mission in the community. So we know there were at least 84. Some scholars believe upwards of 100, 120. And so Jesus goes to his disciples, and what does he do? He chooses 12 to be his primary group of people that he lives in community with. And so when it comes to this idea of community, folks, it's biblical. Why? Well, number one, because the Trinity embodies it, but number two, Jesus initiated it. And then number three, what I would tell you is that the Acts 2 church modeled it. The Acts 2 church modeled it. Now, Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47, very familiar passage. I'll, I'll read it to you. Uh, right now, it, it says this. It says that the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. It tells us that all who believed were together. They had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And then watch this, verse 46. This is what they did. It says, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, What's the point? Well, the point is that you, you were created for community. And that community is biblical, right? The Trinity embodies it. Jesus initiated it. The Acts 2, Acts 2 church modeled it. What did they do? They met in the temple, but they also met in homes. If you go to the beginning of the book of Acts, the Bible tells us that there were 120 brothers. Okay? Add women and children to that, maybe 500 people. You get to Acts chapter four, the Bible says that there were 5,000 men. Add women and children to that, 
most scholars agree, a church of 15,000. You go all the way to Acts chapter 21, I think it is, and now the church is tens of thousands of big. It's a mega church. And what did they do? They met at the temple. They had a large group gathering, much like we're having today. But then they also met from home to home. Community is biblical. The Acts 2 church modeled it. And then here's the last thing I'll say about that. And that is that the one another's of Scripture require it. So God created you for community. Community is biblical. How do I know that? Well, because the one another's of Scripture require it. The one another's of Scripture require us to be in community with one another. That phrase, one another, uh, occurs a hundred times in the New Testament. It comes from the Greek word, alelon, which means one another or each other. And it carries this idea of a mutual or reciprocal relationship, okay? Um, now, out of the hundred times that this word occurs, 59 times it is a command for us to feel, say, or do something toward one another. Alelon, one another, each other, right? As the saying goes, it takes two to tango. Maybe three, maybe four, maybe a small community of people, right? That's the idea that is communicated in Scripture. And so we were created for community. And look, I get it. There's a lot of things in your life that are pushing you towards isolation, right? Maybe, maybe you're a victim of the culture that tells you to be individualistic and to kind of go at it on your, your own. Like, you don't need anybody, right? You can live an autonomous, self-ruled life. That's what our culture tells us. Maybe you've bought into that and you've been push, pushed into isolation. Or, or maybe you are glued to your phone, you're glued to technology, and you're being pushed into isolation. Statistics show that the average adult spends seven hours a day in front of a screen. Teenagers, eight to nine hours a day. Can, and you, you add brushing your teeth, showering, eating, working, you know, being at school, listening to instruction, whatever. Like, we don't have time for one another, do we? Right? We're, there's so much about life that pushes us towards isolation, but I want you to hear me this morning. God's word is super, super clear. We are called, commanded even, to feel, say, or do something toward one another in Christian community. The Trinity embodies it. Jesus initiated it. The early church modeled it. And the one another's of scripture demand it. Now I wanna shift gears, all right? And what I want to do is I want to spend the next little bit of, of our time together talking about the blueprint for community, okay? So we've cover, covered the biblical basis for it. Now I want to talk to you about the blueprint for it. And what I have to say to you this morning might actually surprise you. Let me explain. So today's my birthday. I'm 44 years old. I've been pastoring... Uh, for 17 years, and I've taught many messages over the course of my uh, pastoral ministry. In fact, I've taught many messages on this idea of community, and I got to be honest with you, five to 10 years ago, if I had this opportunity 
to stand before you and talk about community and, and the blueprint for community, I know what I would have done. And what I would have done is I would have taken you to Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and I would have spent a lot of time on that portion of scripture that talks about the apostles' doctrine, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. I would have told you that that's the blueprint for Christian community. But that's not what I'm gonna share with you this morning. I think that there is a deeper, more critical issue that needs to be dealt with when it comes to community. Um, and don't get me wrong. The apostles' doctrine, fellowship, prayer, breaking of bread, those things are absolutely important in the life of, of any church. We need to be doing those things. But I, I, I would call that maybe, maybe a method, right? You guys with me? I, I would consider that a method, and I don't think we need another lesson on the method. To me, that's easy. I think we need a lesson on the heart of Jesus. Because I believe that Jesus' heart is the blueprint. In other words, I believe that the posture, the heart posture that Jesus had towards other people is the blueprint for true biblical community. And so God's word is super clear. We're commanded to feel, say, or do something towards one another in Christian community. And if we're gonna get this right, we gotta follow the blueprint of Jesus' heart. Number one, we gotta have his mind. We've gotta have his mind. See, we could lean into this idea of Christian community talking about all that we have to do to and for one another, right? And, and trust me, there's plenty to do. But I think before we do anything for one another, God calls us to feel something towards one another. Philippians 2, 3 to 5 says it this way. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count one another more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Have this mind. What is that? Yours in Christ Jesus. And this mind can be summed up with one word, and that word is humility. Humility. Listen, church family, God's called us to community, and if we're gonna get it right, we gotta have the mind of Jesus. And what mind, kind of mind did he have? A mind of humility. But here's the truth, and this is sad, and I'll be the first to admit that I've got it wrong, but here's the truth, folks. It is possible to be in community with others and yet be at odds with the mind of Christ. Do you know this to be true? Let me put it to you this way. It is possible to be in community with others and greet them with a smile that hides bitterness. It is possible to encourage someone with disingenuous flattery. It's possible to carry someone else's burden with a Messiah complex. But here's what adopting the mind of Jesus does for us. Here's what taking the posture of Jesus does for us. It 
clothes us with humility, right? It clothes us with an others-centered attitude of humility, the attitude of Christ. In fact, I would say that humility takes us down the same path that Christ took when he, Philippians 2.8, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. You see, having the mind of Christ takes us low. Why? So that we can lift others high. That's what having his mind does. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. It's about looking up to others. It's about sort of elbowing your way to the lowest position of servanthood. It's about being last and least. After all, church family, isn't this what Jesus did for us? Isn't this what he modeled for us? Isn't this this the posture that he had towards people? And so look, we're called to community with one another. And if we're gonna experience true biblical community, we gotta follow the blueprint of Jesus' heart. We gotta have his mind. But we're also gonna have to learn to offer his welcome. So number two, we gotta learn to offer his welcome. Romans 15, seven says, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. As Christ has welcomed you. Now, welcome one another sounds really nice in theory, doesn't it? I think the real life application of this command is a little bit more difficult. It, it, it'll, it'll stretch our personalities and it'll stretch our preferences a little bit, right? Because welcome means more than a simple hello, doesn't it? And one another means more than the people that you prefer. No, it says welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. This command, church family, calls us to embrace and to associate with and to invite into our lives people who are different and perhaps even difficult. People who are, Romans 12, 16, lowly. People that, that we, Romans 14, 3, are tempted to judge and even despise. Let me put it to you like this. If Jesus left heaven, and he did, and, and, and welcomed a sinner like you and me, and he did, then we can cross the church foyer, we can step into someone else's home, or we can open our home to people who are different or difficult. Amen? So listen, we're called to community and Jesus' heart, his posture is the blueprint. And if we're gonna get it right, we have got to learn to have his mind and offer his welcome. And then number three, we've gotta learn to speak his words. We've gotta learn to speak his words. Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now that phrase, dwell in you richly, comes from the Greek word, plusios. And it carries the idea of something just being so full that it's overflowing. It's so full that whatever the contents are just kind of splashing out on everything around it, right? Now can we be honest this morning, church? Some of you are full of it. What are you full of? 
What are you full of? When it comes to your conversations with people, what are you full of? For some, for some of you, your verse would read that, um, let's find it here in my notes. Your verse would read, let sports statistics dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing your, your bros in all sports data, you know? For some of you, your, your verse reads, let Fox News dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in, well, I'm not gonna say that word in church. <laughs> Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, the Bible says. Why? So that you can teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. What is the Bible encouraging us to do here? It's encouraging us to, to speak Jesus' words, to take on the heart of Jesus, the, the posture of Jesus towards one another and, and speak in such a way that Ephesians 4.29 fits the occasion. Why? That it might give grace to those who hear. Right? To, to communicate to one another in such a way that Hebrews 10.24 might stir up one another to love and to good works. And so look, I, I'm all for shooting the breeze, talking about sports, okay, talking about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift's love affair, okay? It's fine. We can talk about those things. But Christian community, the, our, our conversations should be so much more than, than the breeze, right? Our conversation should be eternally significant. Our conversation should be edifying, Right? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, the scriptures say. Now, before I move on, let me just say this. No one in any church, including its pastors, is, is just a teacher, okay? So I don't want you to get me wrong here. I'm not saying that, um, you know, you, you need to have a lot to say to others. You do, but you also um, need to be ready to listen to what others have to say. Does that make sense? No one is just a, a teacher, Right? We're all teachers and learners. We're all encouragers and encouraged. Does that make sense? So let's keep moving here. So we need to have his mind. We need to offer his welcome. We need to speak his words, but we also need to show his love. Right? We're called to community with one another. And if we're gonna get it right, we gotta follow the blueprint. What's the blueprint? Jesus' heart towards others. We, we, we need to learn to show his love. Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Well, it's that we love God with everything that we have and that we love our neighbor as ourselves. In John chapter 13, Jesus says it this way, I want you to love others as I have loved you. Right? But let's be honest, loving people like that is costlier than the last point where we're just talking to people, right? Does that make sense? Like, it's one thing to call your brother or your sister on the phone and say, hey, uh, I'm here for you. It's another thing to actually show up and be a comforting presence for them. Yes? See, we're called the Christian community if we're gonna get it right, we gotta follow the blueprint of Jesus, his heart, his posture towards one another. And so listen, we're not just called to 
lip service. We're called to acts of service, right? Now, here's the last thing that I'll share about the blueprint, and it's that we are to give his grace. So when you think about the humility of Christ, the welcome of Christ, the, the words of Christ, and, and, and his love, man, all those things demonstrate what the spirit of Christ can do in and through biblical community. But I don't think anything displays our Lord quite so clearly as having a posture of grace towards one another. And what's grace? Grace is unearned, undeserved favor. Grace is something that's just freely given, right? I think about my life before Jesus, and you guys, I was a complete mess like many of you were, complete mess, full of sin, full of shame, full of guilt, so absolutely undeserving of anybody loving me and saving me from my sin, and yet that's exactly what Jesus did on the cross for me. That's grace. That's grace. And I'm telling you, we never have a better opportunity to follow the blueprint of Jesus' heart than when we learn to lean into the messy lives of one another and offer grace, okay? Now, let me just be honest with you, okay? We're called the Christian community, but you need to know that Christian community is messy. You get close to any group of followers of Jesus, and I promise you they will test your patience. I guarantee you they will offend you. They'll even hurt you without even knowing it. And at times, they'll lead really messy lives that you'll just scratch your head at and go, what are they doing? Right? But what does the heart of Jesus instruct us to do? What, what, is, what does scriptures teach us to do? Well, Ephesians 4.32. It instructs us to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So Christian community can be painful and messy, but to have a posture of grace and forgiveness towards one another, not counting others' sins against them, and not allowing their mess to be the lens through which we view them, woo! Come on now, that's the kind of grace and love that Jesus displayed on Calvary. And let me tell you something, church. It's the same kind of love that makes Christian community so special and so transformational and so worth embracing. And so that's the blueprint, right? We're called the Christian community. It's biblical. The Trinity embodies it. Jesus initiated it. The Acts 2 church modeled it. The one another's of scripture, man, they require it. And we gotta look to Jesus' heart, his posture towards others as the blueprint. We've gotta have his mind, his welcome, his words, his love, and his grace. Amen. I'm almost done with my tea, so I gotta wrap it up. I wanna share two benefits with you that the Lord put on my heart when it comes to Christian community. Two benefits that will be reaped, and why I say it that way will make sense here in just a minute. Two benefits that will be reaped if we as a church will embrace this, okay? The first thing is this. 
Community changes your character. Community changes your character. Listen, we need each other to help one another know the truth about who we are, who God is, and how we can live in light of those truths. Okay, Proverbs 27, 17 says it this way, that, that iron sharpens iron, right? What does that mean? It means that the relationships that we get into, the, the uh, biblical community that we get into, what does it do? It becomes a tool for sharpening our character. How many of you want your character sharpened? I know I do. Well, here's what happens when you get into biblical community. You get close enough to people who might be different than you, right? You get close enough to people that you can care for them, but you can also be cared for. You get close enough to people that you can challenge, but also be challenged by. You get close enough to people that you can begin to confide and confess together and, 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 and laugh and weep together and also hold one another accountable and watch one another grow. How many of you understand this cannot happen in isolation? No, it's the result of one anothering one another. Someone once said that the primary activity of the church is one anothering one another. Okay, one anothering one another. This is, this is God's gift to us to affect change in us. God created you for community, and if you'll embrace it, he'll sharpen your character through it. But then here's the second benefit, and it's actually not a benefit for you. It's a benefit for our community who is lost and headed straight to hell if they don't see Jesus in us. That benefit is that community bears witness to the gospel. Community bears witness to the gospel. Ladies and gentlemen, gospel transformation in our communities is a benefit of us being in biblical community. Why? Because evangelism flows from Christ-centered community. Here's what I mean by that. John 13, 34 to 35. Jesus said, a new command I give you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. By this. See, I, I want you to notice here that Jesus did not say that the community around us will know about him by how big our church is. He didn't say that our community will know by how many devotions you do in the morning in the secret place. He didn't say that people will know by how many prayers we pray. And don't get me wrong, you know, growing a local church and devotions and prayer are very important. They, they have their part in us, you know, growing as Christians and being evangelistic and all that. But what did Jesus say? He said, by this, everyone will know that you are my, my disciples if you love one another. And so the litmus test is clear. People in our community are gonna know we are Christ's followers and the gospel will go out when we love each other the way Jesus loved us. When we love each other the way Jesus loved us. Theologian Francis Schaeffer said this. He said, our relationship with each other 
is the criterion that the world uses to judge whether our message is truthful. Christian community is the final apologetic. Love that. And so look, our non-believing friends, family, coworkers, neighbors, they're watching. You understand that, right? They are watching and they are deciding on the validity of the gospel message. And so we need strong biblical community that follows the blueprint of Jesus' heart. Why? To help us live lives worthy of the calling that God has placed on our lives. Why? So that people will see the power of God's love in and through our lives. Why? That perhaps they might turn to him in repentance and faith. That's the mission that we're on, amen? And community is such a big part of that. So in closing, we were created for community. There's a problem, right? And that problem is that almost everything in our life wars against it. It's pushing us into isolation, but God did not call us to isolation. In fact, his word is clear. He calls us to feel, say, and do something to and for and with one another. Okay, and this is biblical, folks. What we're doing this weekend, this whole idea of Discipleship Connect, the, the reason why we talk about getting into community so much, it's biblical. The Trinity embodies it. Jesus initiated it. The Acts 2 Church modeled it, right? The one another's of scripture, they demand it. And if we can just follow the blueprint of Jesus' heart, right? Can we put that on the screen, please? The blueprint of Jesus' heart. If we could just have his mind, offer his welcome, speak his words, show his love, give his grace in our groups, man, our character is gonna start to look a lot more like Christ and the gospel's gonna go out and people are gonna be saved. Amen? Amen.